Good afternoon, listeners, and welcome back to the Total Football Analysis Podcast, your weekly dose of all things football tactics and coaching related. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and we have another exciting episode for you all today. Germany has been a producer of some of the greatest managers of the last decade, from Thomas Tuchel to Jürgen Klopp, from Hansi Flick to Julian Nagelsmann. Deutschland's helping hand in the development of the sport cannot be understated. Germany's coaching system is arguably the best in Europe, and the belief that clubs hold in inexperienced but upcoming minds is unwavering. Nagelsmann was handed his job as manager of Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga at just 28 before going on to become the youngest ever manager to guide his side the championship victory last season when Bayern Munich won the title for a 10 season in a row. If you're good enough, you're certainly old enough. However, Nagelsmann is no longer the youngest person to have coached a competitive game in German history. That title is now held by none other than the former total football analysis writer and content creator Max Bergmann. At just 24, Max took charge of Halischer's game against Osnabrück in the third division after the manager Andre Mauro was suspended. Max has a massive future ahead of himself, and TFA has been flattered to have played a part in helping his development towards greatness. If you'd like to check out Max's analysis pieces and videos, either go to the TFA website or else look through the YouTube channel for some of the greatest tactical pieces you will ever venture upon. Right now, Max is working as the assistant manager of Halischer and has been extremely busy these past few weeks since the beginning of the competitive season. I'm absolutely delighted to say that Max has agreed to take time out of his busy schedule to rejoin us here at TFA for this week's episode where we take a deep dive into his philosophy, inspirations, aspirations, development and much, much more. Max, thank you so much for joining us today. How have you been? Yeah, thank you. Glad to be back on here after quite a while. I've been, I've been good. Had a quite tough start uh, into the season, but uh, I'm good right now, yeah. Brilliant. Well, as I said, we're really looking forward to having you on for this, for this chat. Max, you were formerly a player. I think you said in, the re- in an interview a while back that you played as a, a six and as a fullback. Was coaching something that you always wanted to do instead of playing? Like, was it always in the back of your mind that you would rather coach than play? Or? No, not always. And I wasn't a professional player. I only mm-hmm. played on amateur level. And um, yeah, just did it for fun because I really like playing football, watching football. And then, yeah, sometime I, I realized that... Um, yeah, coaching, analyzing games is uh, something really interesting and that I might even be better at coaching than playing for myself. So, yeah, that's when I realized um, I would be able to to get higher up the tires um, coaching in the game. Mm-hmm. And it really was a lot of fun coaching youth teams. And that's where it really started. Just sticking with the, you know, your playing career, obviously you said you didn't play professional or anything. It was just more so for fun. But how did your playing experience help you with your understanding of the game, which is obviously aided you now as a coach? Yeah, well, um, it definitely helps. I played several different positions, as you said, central midfielder, fullback, but also many other different positions like center back and so on. So, um, yeah, we always had a few positions open and um, I was always the one, okay, he can he can play basically every position because I was, I think, as a player um, at that level that I played, tactically quite versatile. And that definitely helps me right now because I really understand the view of the players and how they feel in certain uh, spaces, what is needed. And obviously, as a spectator, if you only know the game from the spectator perspective, you sometimes think, okay, why is he doing that? uh, Yeah, making that decision in that moment. And when you know how it is to, to be on the pitch, when you know how it is to scan the field, sometimes you do not have the time to scan the field. Um, it really helps you coaching players to to get better. Yeah, because it's always something I've been really interested in because 
there is a trend, I, I think it's fair to say now in football, of ex-players or club legends getting top managerial roles in Europe especially. But that doesn't necessarily equate to them being great coaches or great managers. I'm not saying they aren't. There's been some great examples like Zinedine Zidane, obviously, at Real Madrid. But then there's been some, you know, some failed experiments at that. But I do think there is something to be said for maybe having somewhat of a playing experience. So you know what it's like there on the, the field of battle. Definitely. The, the player perspective is really important in coaching. Definitely. I'm sure as many of our listeners will be and, and like myself you are a bit of probably a, a, a tactics nerd I know I can pinpoint one specific moment where I really fell in love with the tactical side of the game and even looking at you know even simplistic things like how a team shape differs from defensive attack I remember when I was a kid and my my grandfather who was formerly just the Sunday league manager was showing me different formations and I just fell in love what was it that got you so intrigued in that side of football Well, I think there wasn't one specific moment for me. It was rather uh, watching games and um, yeah, just getting more into the tactical side of things. When I started coaching, I took over a youth team and yeah, just try to get better at um, yeah the tactical side of things. And I think it was during the World Cup 2018, so not really that long ago, where I really watched nearly every single game from a tactical perspective. And um, yeah, sometimes even with a scouting feed view, where I could watch every single player, um, which really makes a difference in terms of um, yeah being able to to see all the patterns, to see the formations, and um, that's where I really um, yeah started to really like the tactical side of things. What methods did you use to develop your knowledge over the years? Well, I think it was a bit of everything, a bit of watching, a bit of reading tactical analysis pieces, obviously um, communicating with other coaches on, on Twitter, just um, yeah, exchanging ideas about um, how tactical aspects of the game have a certain impact on the game. And um, yeah, watching, watching a lot of uh, tactical videos and so on. So it was a bit of everything and yeah, trying to, to sort out Tactical things. Um, yeah, I've watched certain teams that are specifically good in certain things, like for example, Eintracht Frankfurt have been uh, really, really great at uh, crosses under Adi Hütter. So I watched a lot of uh, Frankfurt games just to to get an idea of how to cross and how to bring players into the penalty area. So um, yeah, just watching games and trying to focus on one thing that really um, makes you better, definitely. Do you focus then on what teams do poorly as well so that you can kind of get an idea in your head of maybe what you don't like about football, about what you would change as a coach, if that makes sense? Yeah, I think that automatically happens when you watch a lot of games. I also watched, um, yeah, obviously some teams that didn't really perform that well where you thought, oh, they got quite a good squad, but maybe do not perform that way you would have imagined before the season. And then you just take a look at what uh, yeah, might be the reason for it. Uh, for example, by Munich under, under Niko Kovac, and I've written uh, tactical analysis pieces for Total Football Analysis um, on that topic. And um, yeah, that's where I really started uh, to get more into detail in terms of counterpressing, because I think Kovac was doing a good job. Um, I won't cr criticize him, but mm. um, there were certain things that were better after the, after the managerial change. And um, yeah, that's where I obviously also automatically try to figure out what teams could improve on. 
In what ways did writing articles, and obviously you created videos as well for Total Football Analysis, and they are superb pieces, genuinely. Um, I think the Ralph Rangnick one was my favourite as well. I, I absolutely love that video. But how did they help you grow in terms of your knowledge of the game? Because when I, I know when I started at TFA two and a half years ago or, or whenever it was, I've grown exponentially in terms of my knowledge. Just from, I know, it's not just from my writing, it's from reading other things as well on the site and other websites, etc. How did those, how did writing articles and creating the videos help you grow with your knowledge? Yeah, it definitely helps, not only in terms of the tactics. I mean, obviously you write most of the things that you already think you understood, but um, yeah, trying to explain it for maybe even people who are not that into that tactic thing um, really helps you explaining things in a simple manner. And that is something that you obviously also need in coaching. If, you, if I want to explain a certain tactical aspect of the game to, to our players, I have to explain it as simple as possible. And that is um, something that is more complicated than understanding it for your own. So it definitely helped me in coaching as well. And there are as I said out there some fantastic pieces and a lot of people in this kind of world like to use I don't want to say jargon but sometimes it can be complex and things like that but obviously as you said when you're writing articles you do need to kind of simplify it a bit for people to understand how important is that just touching on what you said how important is it to be able to do that now as a coach because obviously whatever way you analyze a game and what you think in your own head maybe players won't share the same enthusiasm for those kind of tactical terms as you would and complex ideas how can you transfer them easily across to the players well i think it's important to to get an idea of what players um, know already what they can do already and how they think about football and that is yeah the the foundation uh, the, the, the fundamental thing about trying to explain uh, things in an easy way. If you do not really speak the language of the players, it will be complicated. You will explain it probably well, but if they do not get the idea, then they won't be able to do it on the pitch. And this will always be in coaching the main target to get certain aspects of the game onto the pitch, translated onto the pitch. If you're not able to explain it well, you won't see it on the pitch. And it basically was nonsense. Are there ways you can kind of develop the player's understanding of the tactical side of the game? Obviously, through your own coaching and analysis, you would. But do you tell them to maybe take certain courses? Do you tell them to read articles, watch other games? Or is it just simply kind of in-house stuff like what you teach them? Well, obviously, the main aspect will always be the analysis. So we do opposition analysis, individual analysis, and our self-analysis where we watch certain, um, yeah, scenarios that happened uh, in the last games and where we try to um, improve our own tactical principles or the way we behave on the pitch. And I think it wouldn't really be the solution to tell someone do a course or watch that game, watch that game, because um, it is always better if the uh, players really want to improve on something and they really are motivated on their own to, to get better at, better at certain things. For example, in terms of set-piece situations, we created a group of players that um, yeah, are the set-piece takers mainly and the main targets for, for corner kicks and free kicks in the penalty area. And we created a group where we share certain uh, set-piece situations that happened uh, in other leagues, for example. Mm -hmm. And the players on their own can uh, yeah, 
search for situations, for corner kick variations, for free kick variations, um, share that in the group, and then we can translate it onto the training ground. And hopefully we can also practice uh, them that well that we can have success during the games with those uh, yeah, set piece situations. So that is one example. If they really engage in something because they see that there is an output and that they can yeah, also have a certain influence on our game, then I think it's always better than just to tell a player to do a course or something like yeah. that. That's really interesting. So you would somewhat give the players that kind of power because I remember, I think it was a few years ago, Jurgen Klopp gave his Liverpool players uh, you know, the free will to create their own set piece and they scored it against, I think it was Cardiff City back in 2019 and they actually scored from, I think Roberto Firmino got the, the winner. So you would give them that kind of power to create their own set plays to see something that they, they that, that sticks in their mind that they want to try? Yeah, definitely. I think it always sticks more in their minds when they really yeah, try to create it on their own, then if I tell a player to do that, that, and that, and they just try to replicate it, but it won't be as good as if the idea comes from their, uh, from their own minds. How open are you guys to taking ideas in from the players? Because maybe football's evolved a bit where it's not just a manager pointing down saying, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. Players kind of have their own ideas and maybe they come to you. Are you receptive to what they see on the pitch or say at halftime, they see something that's going wrong that maybe you don't see or maybe you do see. Would you be willing to kind of take that feedback on board from them? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's always about having solutions and uh, doing that without um, restricting players too much. So if maybe some players uh, want to cross all the time from, from every area because they think that's um, yeah, the best way to get to the goal, and we, as the coaching staff, um, have different solutions and have different ideas because we think it's more effective or more efficient. Then obviously we won't tell the players to do exactly that, but we definitely work on on solutions together. Definitely, that's something which is really important. Um, and for the same reason as I already said, if that's their own idea, they will definitely do it better than if we just say uh, we have to play through the half spaces all the time. Um, because if they are not really confident doing it, it won't work. And it will probably stick in their mind better, I'd imagine, as well, if, they, if they've thought about it, if they've seen something they've enjoyed. Max, at 24, there's obviously a lot of time ahead of you for, for you to grow and understand the game better. Pep Guardiola always talks about coaches never stopping learning their trade and picking up new ideas. Have you had time to develop your ideology of football yet? Well, I think so, but obviously it develops from time to time um, and you just get more and more into detail about certain things. Uh, we definitely want to, wanna, uh, or we definitely evolved our way of, of playing football with our new head coach. I think, um, yeah, we're working together since eight months now. So in January this year, uh, we got a new head coach and we together, um, yeah, tried to create our own idea how we want to play and we evolved this idea from from month to month, from training week to training week. So, um, yeah, definitely evolves by time. But, um, yeah, I definitely have certain aspects of the game that I wouldn't want to want to change. So we definitely try to play very active against the ball. We also use stats in order to um, yeah, see whether we can definitely get that onto the, onto the pitch. And uh, still there are, and that is something that I've experienced this season as well, moments where you cannot really have 100% of your own game onto the pitch. For example, we've had uh, two red cards within the first half 
against Freiburg this season. And obviously, we weren't able to uh, play a high press anymore with uh, nine players against 11. So uh, that, for instance, is um, yeah a point that I've never experienced before, but where we definitely had to change and couldn't uh, press high anymore. We had to form a lower block and try to try to mainly yeah do any counterattacks in order to probably score a goal against them. How, so, how difficult um, is that then for the players to adapt to? Speaking of, say, the red card, you couldn't press high anymore and you had to sit in, a, in more of a low block. How difficult was it for the players, or maybe it wasn't at all, to adapt to not pressing high, they have to sit back now and kind of just stay compact and narrow, don't give away any chances. Was it a smooth did, did, did you know was it a smooth transition? Did they struggle with it because maybe they're not as used to sitting in the lower block? Or have you trained them to kind of be able to be active in all of the phases or to be good in all the phases? Well, on the one hand, I think it was definitely something new to them, at least this season. Obviously some some new play, players have played in other teams before and have played lower blocks as well. But for them, it was in, in our constellation, our team, the first time doing doing that, setting up a, a lower block. Um, but I think, on the other hand, there's one advantage, and that is that so many things on the on the pitch happen unconsciously. So uh, the players will obviously get an idea of whether it's possible or not to to play a high press. And after a few minutes, they realized, okay, we can't press high anymore, so we have to fall into a lower block without even thinking about it, they did it. So um, that's definitely an advantage too, that they have uh, yeah, many decisions on the, on the pitch unconsciously and they didn't even think about it, but it was clear, okay, we definitely have to defend lower now, but we can yeah, have some counterattacks probably. Just coming back to the idea of your ideology of football, just per se, you were to become a head coach tomorrow. Just, I know throwing nonsense out there but just per, per se it happened what would your philosophy be how would you want your side to play yeah definitely really actively obviously um meaning a high press is, is something that i really like to just uh, chasing chasing the ball um trying to pressure the opponent um not even uh from a football perspective but also in a psychological way i really like to to really uh pressure the opponent and with the ball, I really like to, to play towards the goal as fast as possible, but always trying to have the most clean way, mm -hmm. at least the, the clean way which is possible, meaning short passes, meaning having control of the ball. I really enjoyed, for example, and that I think had a huge influence on the way I see football, uh, Napoli and uh, Maurizio Sarri. Maybe they have been a bit under the radar, mm -hmm. at least in the in the last few years. But I really enjoyed watching them play um, as sort of a vertical tiki-taka. Um, and that is something that I really, really like to. I really like to play through the half spaces as well, uh, meaning having not full width of the pitch, only if it's really needed. And yeah, just, just uh, yeah, playing uh, towards the opposition goal, always with the risk or a certain risk of losing the ball but then counter-pressing and then, yeah, just trying to press the ball again. How do your ideas line up with the manager? Because I know, just just speaking about um, Eric Ten Hag and his assistant, Mitchell van der Gag, Eric Ten Hag is a very proactive coach and he wants his side to have the ball and he's great at setting the side up to attack, whereas Mitchell van der Gag is known for being more pragmatic and conservative and defensive and he likes to kind of take the defensive tactical side of the game. Do you, in, in kind of a way that like opposites attract almost but do you, does your idea line up with 
the manager right now or do you kind of have differences that maybe you can speak to him about that you'd like to change and things like that or maybe you know well fortunately it is quite similar so he's also also an active coach who wants to press high um more in a man-oriented manner but that those are details that we chat about and that we yeah. uh yeah try to try to work on our idea also with the team because certain things are also not even possible in the way you maybe want to do it with the team because you've got certain players with certain strengths obviously and you just want to try to yeah use those uh, weapons and um yeah it's quite similar but still obviously there will always be details and i think it's really important within a coaching staff as well that you chat about those things and that you maybe are not or maybe do not agree 100% on everything but rather try to try to work out together what's the best for the team in the end how do you find the perfect balance between technical training and tactical training and how do you look to integrate lessons taken from your analysis onto the training pitch to kind of help improve the players well what's or what was really new for me coming from youth football was the yeah control of the training load obviously because um, we've also got some weeks where we only can prepare three days until the next game starts. So we definitely have to lower the training load in, in those training sessions. And mostly the, the technical part of things happen on days where we cannot really have a huge training load. And we rather try to have a yeah full intensity during tactical side of things, uh, during uh, positional play, uh, rondos, um, having bigger games, maybe a 10 against 10 with uh, certain restrictions in order to implement our style of play. And on the days or as a warm-up warm up activity where we can only do less in terms of training load, we will use uh, yeah, t- technical practices, um, also trying to implement a bit of uh, differential training um, Yeah, that I really like, uh, that Tuchel also brought into, into the game or the, the Mainz uh, Schule, basically, the Mainz School of Football um, with club as well. So, um, yeah, certain certain things that um, we also try to implement in our tec- technical training. Yeah. Could I ask you about restrictions then? Because this is something I'm, I've always been really fascinated in. You spoke about Tuchel. At PSG, I remember especially, he would cut the corners off the pitch and it would his players would have to hit probably earlier crosses than the same at Chelsea. They kind of, the pitch looks like... Um, I can't think of the shape now, but it, the, the corners are all cut off of it. What restrictions do you use in training to help make it more uncomfortable for the players, which will obviously help them grow better? Well, maybe not trying to use the main examples that you hear from everybody. We, um, for example, have sometimes certain zones between the lines where players can turn, receive and turn, and then play through passes. And restrictions would be that Players can defend forward. Players are not allowed to then defend forward. Um, that are, for example, just, um, restrictions that we really use a lot in, in order to change the dynamic of the situation, in order to change the space that is being able to play uh, to be played through. For example, if you uh, are not allowed to defend forward as a defender, players between the le- uh, lines can receive and turn without having to really scan. But on the other hand, they really have to uh, yeah, dribble towards the defense in order to open any any gaps or maybe even shoot on your own. And on the other hand, if the opposition team are allowed to de- defend forward, you have to scan more. But on the other hand, it opens more gaps. And um, mm-hmm. that is also dependent on the opponent. 
Sometimes opponents uh, have defenders who really like to de defend forward, meaning the space behind opens up. And sometimes we have opponents uh, that do not really uh, defend forward and have center backs that rather like to sit back. And that is the situation where we want to have the players receiving, turning, and then uh, yeah, pressuring the, the um, defensive line through dribblings. So those, for example, are restrictions also depend, uh, depending on the opponent that we use in our training sessions in order to optimize the tactical behavior of the players. Speaking of the opponent there, how does training differ depending on the opposition, the upcoming opposition? Or, it, it, you know, if it's a, a very good side, you're playing a side that are challenging for the league title and maybe you're lower down the table. Does training change or is it quite focused on your own principles? I would say if, if we have four training sessions uh, or four days of training before the game, um, the first two ones are mainly focused on our own principles. And the third one is mainly um, focused on our own principles within the formation that we want to play. Because mm -hmm. we've gotten to a point where we don't want to say we always play a back three or we always play with a back four, but that really depends on the space that we get. Um, and I think we've got players that are tactically versatile enough that they can play a back four and a back three as well. So uh, then we make the decision whether we want to play with a back three or back four. And then we try to um, train within this formation, do not, which doesn't really depend on the opposition. But uh, we just try to um, yeah, make the players getting a certain feeling for the spaces, uh, for the players that play next to them. And the last uh, day of training is yeah the one that where we focus most on the opponent, meaning we sometimes got set piece situations where we try to have certain corner kicks or free kicks variations that fit to the opposition, and um, yeah we sometimes even line out certain aspects um, of how the opposition play within our training session, but with a lower intensity, obviously. When you speak about a lower intensity and say you have a game at the weekend and a match during the week as well does the analysis become heavier in terms of you know preparing them for the team right because you'll have less time at the pitch do you give them more analysis lessons to take into the game or is it just about the same well we try to keep it the same because um we think that those weeks are not only um exhausting for the players in terms of the physical part of things but also in terms of the psychological side of things so if we try to do self-analysis for one hour and opposition analysis for one hour they obviously have so many things in their minds within just a few days mm -hmm. that they re cannot really translate it onto the pitch so we wouldn't have that big advantage we always try to have our analysis sessions not uh, longer than 20 minutes in order to keep it yeah, as short and as simple as possible so that the players can also try to implement that on the pitch. And what do you focus on then when you're analysing an opponent and you're transferring that to the players? Is it you show them kind of a little bit of everything or do you focus specifically on their strengths or maybe their weaknesses? Well, I think it's a general um, yeah, part of, of that pressing. So we try to analyse how they press especially in the first line of press in order to, yeah, making sure what are our solutions in order to overplay the press, to get into the last third, 
Sometimes there are details how the how the opposition defend the box, for example, and that is something that we outline as well. Sometimes it's not that special, so we do not really focus on that. And on the other side of things, obviously, we show them how they build up their play and always connect it with our match plan, so how we want to play against them. So uh, we do not really have just the, the opposition analysis, but we always connect it to our own match plan already so mm -hmm. that the players do not really focus on, okay, the opposition does that and that and that, but they should focus on, okay, we are going to do that and that and that, and those are the solutions that we create uh, during the game. And how do you yourself break down an opponent when you're watching them, just yourself, without having to transfer to a player or, or the coach or anything? I had David Cellini on, who was another former TFA analyst, and he was speaking to me about how he used to analyze games, and he'd break them down into 15-minute segments. But then he, now he said it's changed to the point where he mainly focuses just on the first half and not as much in the second half if he even looks at it at all, which I found very fascinating so how do you like to break down an opposition do you want to know everything um i think it could be even worse if you know everything about an opponent rather than if you know the most important aspects and you focus on them mm -hmm. um, i've also analyzed the last five games every 90 minutes of, of the opponent a few months ago but that is not the case anymore because i I've learned for my own that it's really making me change my focus to, to things that are not really uh, important for us. So I mainly look at what they've played and what opponents they had within the last three to four games. And depending on what they've played and what the opposition played in terms of formation, obviously, I try to um, yeah find the most important two or three games of them and watch mainly their yeah first 60 minutes, meaning mm -hmm. what have they done within the first half of the game? So what was their initial match plan probably? And did that change during the second half in the first 50 minutes? And usually from the 60th minute on, there will only be changes in terms of substitutions and so on. Probably our third league is not as technically versatile as the Bundesliga, and maybe I'd do it differently there. But for our league, there are not that many uh, tactical changes uh, from the 60th minute on, but rather... Yeah, only the substitutions, and that is not as important for our own match plan. So we do not really focus on that anymore, but rather on their initial match plan against the back four system, against the back three system. And that's where we try to adjust our own formation in order to yeah, play with our own principles against every opponent. And are you transferring all of that information to the manager, or is it? are you kind of condensing it into little bits? So I'm sure he has... A lot of work to do himself and he might he might again as you said might not want to know everything about the opponent so how much are you transferring to him well with our current manager it's mainly um that i just do the analysis for my own and then i already create the presentation for the team and i present it to the manager and he also watched certain games because he for himself also likes to get a certain feeling of the team and that's obviously better if you watch a whole game or a whole 45 minutes than just watching one minute long videos um and that's why he rather likes to watch the, the whole games of the opponents and then see what i've presented or what i want to present to the team and then we obviously speak about it and speak about our match plan and how do you manage the workload so say when a game finishes how much time or when are you looking at 
the previous match when you're looking at the opponent you know how to design training i'm sure there's, there's other coaches as well to help with everything but how, how do you manage the workload between games okay uh, for my own i usually watch the game or our own game right after we've played the match so that i just um yeah also have the um subjective view during the game still in mind and the emotional side of things because that's important as well in my opinion um that i still can remember why we have done certain things and what we felt in the situation um that's where i try to yeah analyze our game and try to cut certain situations uh, out of the game in order to present it to the team within the next week and usually there's one day off in between so i also can yeah recover for one day and after that i watch only the situations anymore that i've already have cut out and um yeah then try to try to uh, analyze it together with the head coach in order to present it to the team then that's mainly the role of the head coach doing the self analysis and usually i use the day off between the next training week and our last game in order to watch uh, the games of the opposition and then yeah prepare the the uh, uh opposition analysis i think you said before in another interview that you sit in the stands when you're watching games throughout is that right yeah for the first 25 to 30 minutes in order to um yeah just see the game from another perspective i obviously see much more from from the stands than sitting on the bench um it's even worse than um if you're coaching youth teams that that's, uh, that's something you have experienced as well because usually you're sitting as an assistant coach mm-hmm. and in the in the stadiums and professional uh, football grounds um it's even lower so the benches are yeah like lower than the center of the pitch so you really just if you watch on a horizontal perspective you only see the legs of players so uh, you do not really see all the technical patterns uh, from the bench but rather from the stands so i watch the first 25 minutes up there and communicate with our athletics coach and he uh, yeah transfers every important info to the head coach in terms of how the opposition play and whether that fits to what we've analyzed before mm-hmm. and whether we obviously have to make any changes um maybe yeah play with our fullbacks more flat or maybe play with a fourth man in central midfield and so on so that's where uh, we try to adjust and then from the 30th minute on i yeah go to the bench and have communication with the head coach down there and yeah we work on the half time speech and also on possible substitutions that's really interesting i i thought that was fascinating when i read it i i really wanted to ask you when you came on in terms of the the half time speech you you said you spoke about there how much of it is you know is analysis based in terms of what you're doing wrong etc or is it very i mean i'm sure it differs from manager to manager and club to club is it very emotional or is it more you know stats based analysis based looking to improve looking to see what we can improve on well i think it's a mixture mixture and it obviously also depends on the game as well so sometimes there are games that are more more emotional and mm. you really have to catch the players um during the half time and uh, some yeah games it's more important to uh yeah analyze certain aspects of the game and maybe even change something during half time um so it really depends on the game but uh we do not really use stats during the half time that's something we do not use because usually um yeah stats are really objective and they definitely help you working and improving certain things but 
it really doesn't help the players uh, because they are so subjective and emotional during a game. If you give them stats, they might even interpret them wrong. Yeah. So we try to use them on our own maybe, but do not really give them stats, but we rather um, work on solutions. So it's ma the main part. And obviously it depends on the head coach, as you said, but with our current head coach, it's really um, analyzing the main situations. So the situations that we want to improve on, um, maybe even chances that we created with a certain pattern that we want to um, yeah, try to uh, yeah, duplicate in the, in the second half and uh, working on, on those things. So it's um, rather two to three key facts about what we want to improve on. How do you use stats then to your advantage off the pitch? So obviously not during halftime or on the game day, say during training. How do you use that to your advantage to help improve the players? Because stats is a, an ever-growing area of football now and I'm really interested to see how you kind of use that to your advantage. Well, we mainly use team stats and not uh, stats for the, for the own players and we probably do not use them in a detailed way as, uh, for example, a Bundesliga team who have a data analyst, uh, two video analysts and two assistant coaches because all of that is my area mm -hmm. and I have to work on that as one person. Um, but we definitely use team stats such as PPDA in order to um, yeah, analyze the pressure we've we've uh, implied on the opposition um, with our press and um, yeah, then use it in a combined way with the video analysis in order to yeah, see whether uh, some yeah, things didn't work out as we expected them. Can I ask you about the, when the manager was suspended and you had to take the game against, Os I believe it was Osnabrück? Yeah, yeah. On the sideline, which I remember when that broke. We were delighted at TFA because it was just incredible to see. It genuinely was just fascinating. But did you feel the pressure when you were tasked with taking the side? Well, um, I think it was to my advantage that we only had uh, two to three days to prepare, to prepare for that game. So I didn't really think about it before the game. It was uh, yeah, it happened everything so fast. Okay, he, he got his uh, uh, yellow card and was... Um, suspended off the bench for the next game and only i think yeah one or two days after i really realized okay i, I will be sitting there and doing mm -hmm. everything and then i think it's really important um yeah the what you have in the coaching staff so um we really work closely together and i also work closely with the team so it wasn't really something new i mean it was new communicating all those main things to the team obviously and doing the halftime speech but everything else was so close to what we usually do that it didn't really make much difference apart from coaching 90 minutes alone. Obviously, that uh, was a huge difference. But everything else was so much like with all the other games that it wasn't really uh, that spectacular for me. Only during the 90 minutes, it was something very special, obviously. So, of course, you've now got to taste what it's like to be an assistant coach as well as you know the 90 minutes on the sideline. But what was going through your mind on the touchline? Were you constantly looking for things to tweak? Were you afraid to change things too much during the game or to be too vocal? Or did you believe maybe you were too quiet? What was going through your mind at the time? Well, it was the first time that I really realized that you cannot really reach the players if the stadium is quite full. <laughs> um, so I wasn't really able to, to coach much. Uh, there were yeah certain times where players were closer to me, where I could coach them. But usually for the 45 minutes you cannot really do much you can watch the game obviously um, and you can try to coach something 
but usually it's just being there for the players and um, yeah, the players know that you are there and that's it. You cannot really have that much influence on the game. So the halftime speech is yeah, way more important than what you do during the, the 90 minutes on the sideline. And Max, just to wrap up the podcast, because we're hitting 40 minutes now and I'm aware that I, I know I, I don't want to keep you over because I have an awful habit of keeping guests over time. But this is my personal favorite question that I'd like to wrap up with. And I've got some incredible answers from this. I remember Giovanni Costantino, who's a coach of Casarano Calcio in Serie D. He told me that one of his coaching inspirations was uh, the 1990s Colombia national team manager, which blew me away. Who are your coaching inspirations? Well, obviously, I think with my age and um, having grown up in, a, in an era where also younger coaches here in Germany um, grew up and, and got jobs quite quite early, Julian Nagelsmann definitely is an inspiration, but I wouldn't nominate him alone. I would mm -hmm. also say Thomas Tuchel and, and Jürgen Klopp are definitely German managers that really yeah, influenced me a lot. Um, I think uh, the speech rule breaker from Thomas Tuchel is definitely something where he also talked about restrictions and so on. So that is definitely something that also had a huge influence on, on my training work. And um, yeah, I've liked watching Napoli under Maurizio Sarri. So it's basically a mixture, I think. And in the end, obviously, you really have to create your, your own style. Max, thank you so much for joining us today. And I, I really enjoyed this chat. And I wish you the best of luck with Halisher going forward in the future. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thank you. See you, Max. This has been the Total Football Analysis Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this interview today with Max Bergman. I know I certainly did. You can find Total Football Analysis on Twitter at Total Analysis and you can find myself at ascully 24 also on Twitter. We hope you join us next week for another really exciting interview. Thank you all for listening. Goodbye for now.